a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunched. So, uh, if you guys would put mega, the mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Reducing the percentage of good podcasts that are out there, this is Table Talk Radio. Wow. In store for another mediocre broadcast here on Table Talk Radio. That's well, depre- that is a depressing start. Oh, yeah. What a surprise. Man, I thought it was going to be upbeat. I thought it was going to get some motivation listening to some Table Talk Radio. And I... <laughs> Thoroughly disappointed. Well, wait till you get to my buzzword. Then you'll oh, be up. Oh, that'll be great. Well, well, you're planning the show today, so tell me what we're doing. All right, so the first thing we're going to do is buzzwords. Then after that, we got a couple of emails. And then I think at least one. Yes, we got one. And then we have a praise song. And then hopefully we'll have spent all the time. <laughs> I've noticed that uh, he who has a busier schedule of the day plans this show. <laughs> just, Let's go. Just to get the ball rolling. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. <laughs> Got things to do. <laughs> Which ends up being usually me. Are you we, got this glorious me? Requ- we got this glorious request for a, a particular show, someone's favorite three games, uh, Christian or Secular, Joel Osteen or Fortune Cookie, and Islam or Mormonism, games I've almost forgotten that we did. That Talk about show pro. We got to hire Lumpy to put that show together. Is there we're a- not doing that, but maybe in the future. I've got it here in the... Bucket. Oh, oh, then, oh, yeah. If we if we still have time, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna have you answer the theology questions I got through the YouTube channel. Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. So happy. My buzzword for you uh, is homo ludens. Two words: H O M O and L U D E N S. Both from the Latin, I believe. Homo ludens means man at play. (laughs) I read this phrase somewhere. In, in some introduction to some book about ideology, and it talks about the difference between the way, for example, Darwin would have us think about humanity is that we're in this great fight for survival. And, uh, and, you're, and you're just scraping and clawing to, to just stay alive. And that's the picture of, of humanity that's painted for us by evolutionists. In contrast to that, Western civilization is understand man to be homo ludens, man at play. In other words, we're in something like a garden that's not like it should be, but it's not, it's this, it's a more joyful sort of free uh, look at life, homo ludens. That's kind of nice. So anyway, that should be the name of this podcast. Homo ludens. (laughs) How how about how would you think people would click on that? All right. Well, my theological buzzword for you is worship. And this uh, reform source I have in front of me says that worship is reverence and devotion, the attributing of glory and honor uh, to God, 
uh, and it says that biblical worship is directed toward God alone. Not a bad definition, but here's the thing about it. So, so to to talk about worship as this kind of reverence and devotion to God is focusing on uh, maybe the 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 act of worship itself, but doesn't necessarily see the whole picture of what God is doing in worship. And I, and I think for this, we want to um, kind of take a step back and look at the scriptures, God's revealed word as a whole, and see what is God doing as he interacts with humanity. Well, in the in the wilderness, he gave the instructions for the construction of the, the tabernacle, and then uh, later the, the temple, and what was going on at that place. We always think of people bringing animal sacrifices uh, to the temple, and that was uh, definitely part of it. But we have to remember what what promises were there as these animals were brought for sacrifice. And it was it was the spilling of blood. It was the promise of forgiveness that that uh, that where this blood is being spilt. That is where God's people knew that their sins were atoned for, that they were covered over. Um, so in that sense, we we could see that the the animal sacrifice was maybe less about what the people were bringing to God, although that was certainly an element of it. Um, it was more about the promise that God was giving to the people and the promise of atonement, the forgiveness of sins. And that, of course, is fulfilled ultimately in Jesus. Now, I think I think the chief text, and you tell me if, if I'm stretching this or I'm imposing anything on the text here, but I think the chief text to understand uh, worship of the New Testament is in uh, John's Gospel, where Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples, and he says that uh, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life for a ran- as a ransom for many. And, and at that juncture, I mean, this is, this is the very same setting, although not the words aren't given to us in John, the very same setting in which Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, uh, that, we, that he tells us, given for you for the forgiveness of sins. So if we're to understand anything about that encounter in particular, but biblical interaction of God with his people as a whole, is that God is in the business of bringing the promise of forgiveness to his people, and he does that today in word and sacrament. So I think if, we, if you want to so narrowly understand worship, it's that we're having devotion and reverence and attributing glory to God. Uh, absolutely, that's true. But in the midst of what's really happening, uh, that'd be like saying, ah, they brought uh, animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. Yeah, but that misses the promise of forgiveness that God is giving us. So that's a long-winded definition of your theological buzzword for today, worship. I think I might be able to get that in there. I mean, I think I'm going to notice if you, if you say homo ludens, but I might be able to slip in. Oh, no. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have to think about it. I'm just going to naturally think say homo ludens, and you're not even going to realize it. Yeah, right. It's just so natural. I think you're right about it. I was. How about this? We, last night I was teaching at the Deaf Church, and we were working on the Beatitudes. And Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we are working on the sign, the, the ASL sign for righteousness. And there's a couple of... Um, uh, there's a couple of different signs that you can use, and so we're using that to talk about the theology. So, say, so you have to go back. Well, what does actually what does the actual word mean? And what's really nice is you can say, well, there's a there's a righteousness of the law, which means living right, and then there's a righteousness of the gospel, which means forgiveness and being declared right. Hmm. And I think that the, this just that simple thing works over all of these theological words. So there's a worship of the law, and there's a worship of the gospel. And the worship of the law is 
is is giving to God glory and praise. It's our own actions and so forth. There's a worship of the gospel, which is to receive from God the things that He gives. That's the worship of faith. So, so there's um so worship is going to have, you know, everything's going to break into law and gospel in this way. Yep. Yep. Good. All right, let's uh, let's get to the show proper. Uh, oh, I was supposed to get a a, a song ready to go. Why don't you? Yeah, just... but don't worry because I got an email. Okay. Hello, pastors Wolfmuller and Gagland. I have an idea that might be interesting for show points. At the beginning of each quarter, establish a reward for winning the most points, or even better, a punishment for losing in points, such as buying a steak dinner for the other person or something absurd and juvenile, like chugging a mini bottle of hot sauce. It will make you throw up. Trust me. Your faithful listener, Mohammed Jihad in Sacramento, Sacramento, California. I wonder how many faithful listeners we had named Mohammed Jihad. Um, Tons of two them. or three. So, what do you think about that idea? Establish. I, I mean, do we? We don't keep track of these points, do we? We hardly keep track from the beginning of the show to the end. How would you possibly have a point total for quarter? I do think that you should probably buy me a steak dinner, though. All right, if you get more points than me, I'll do it. <laughs> All right, so starting now, okay. I'm, I'm gonna, I got a piece of paper here, and I'm going to call it TTR point See total that? Q4 2019. <laughs> the problem is that it requires um, like a, a, a ledger, a scorecard of, of points beyond the 48 minutes of this show, which is probably the real reason we haven't done this yet. This is the opposite of show prep. It's like... Post follow up, or yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not gonna Don't happen. Worry. I got a piece of paper. I'm gonna keep track. I'm starting now. Starting now. This is serious. Okay. Muhammad Jihad in Sacramento is gonna. He's gonna be indignant, which you don't want, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, I'm supposed supposed to get a, a song. Here's going. another song. Give Here's us another email. Give us, okay. Here's here's a candidate for the cruncher. Jesus is calling by Crowder. I trust you'll crunch it in your typical mediocre fashion. Sincerely, David from Alaska, Washington, Florida, Kansas, New York, Texas, Germany, not Australia. That's a lot of places to be from. <laughs> Poor Australia. <laughs> Poor not Australia. <laughs> I want to visit not Australia someday. Did I tell you I got the? I might be going down to not Australia in a in a couple of months, a couple of years, I suppose. Now. What, is that North Dakota? No, no. Actually, not Australia. They <laughs> want me to come down for a couple of theological conferences. I said, I can't do it this year, but they said... Uh, the city of not contacted you? Well, no. The, the, the Lutherans down there in Australia, which I just assume they're all from not. Because <laughs> that's where our, our listener base is. There's 17 listeners, and like 15 of them are from not Australia. Of course. So anyway, David from not Australia wants us to crunch this song jesus is calling i wonder if that's by this it's like the same from that book have you read that book yet uh jesus is calling i have occasion to read it every day when i visit any one of my shut-ins oh nice it's everywhere that book you remember the book jesus is calling i love it i think i think that's yeah yeah I, i i've heard of it uh, so you can give us a, a review of it here on the air. That'd be great. Well, I was asking if you've read it. I've not read it. I am familiar with it, but I have not read it. All right. I wonder if this song has anything to do with it. We'll be right back. We're going to crunch whoa. this right after this. Hey, how did it go so fast? Sorry. Where'd all the time go?
felt like you were all alone in the world? You were probably listening to Table Talk Radio. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. Now we got all the shenanigans out of the way, we can focus on what we're doing here. Praise on, on crunch. Yep. yep. How many points are on the line? Why, why do you think that you get points all of a sudden? Because now we're get, there's that steak dinner on the line. That Steak dinner on the line, baby. I'm not going to free. You need to give me points. <laughs> you think this is charity work? I demand pay. I'm gonna go on until I get our radio points. I'm gonna, I'm gonna join the Table Talk Radio Point Union, <laughs> negotiate. All right. Well, uh, let's just let's just uh, talk about the cruncher. Why there is a thing called the praise song cruncher, and uh, what for we're ten points for. each, I'll describe the five <laughs> points of the cruncher. I'll do point it for one. That. <laughs> is uh, what is it? Is Jesus mentioned? That's a helpful question to ask to figure out if you're singing. About or to Jesus, if it's a Christian song or a not Christian song. That was not Remember, there's a lot of not points. Christian. You could be religious or Jewish or whatever. Mm-hmm. It just has to be about Christ if it's going to be Christian. That's all. And uh, the uh, that's the first question. And then the second question is, is it mystical? That has to do with rep- lots of repetition, various different ways of having repetition. <laughs> and also sentence fragments. We're on the lookout for assertions. The next question is, is it mystical in content? Is it talking about being swept away? Is it putting all the theological activity on the inside? Is it subjective? Is it, Am I a spark being joined to the flame, a drop rejoining the ocean, etc.? <laughs> What's wrong with that? Uh, just kidding. <laughs> then the fourth thing is uh, law gospel. What's God's solution? And the fifth question is, there any other false doctrine not covered by... The aforementioned cruncher questions. Okay. That's the cruncher, 50 points. So the, <laughs> some of those were not worth 10 points of each. Uh, so this is a song, Jesus is Calling, by Crowder. And uh, we're going we're gonna to play it and see how it does in the okay. cruncher. So here it goes. Like 1950? Uh, I mean, it sounds like, you know, this is this is the song that they'll sing at, at Cowboy Church. You probably have those around Austin, don't I, you? I, I, bumper sticker, welcome to Hill Country today, <laughs> just today. That's great. And they're singing this, this song in, down in, there. From the album Neon Steeple in 2014. It's a, a, a 1950 song. I mean, what was, me. what was funny about that, the Cowboy Church thing, is that when we were talking about 
you know, back in the day of the so-called worship wars, <laughs> where we'd say, oh, we should have contemporary music. Now nah, we should have traditional. And the argument was, look, this isn't about your preference. It's not, we're not playing your favorite music. You know, if I like country music, I'm not going to say that we should sing it in worship. Well, be careful what you say there. <laughs> why is there not that? Why are there not that many country music worship gigs? <laughs> yeah. well, Kanye has his own church now. He's really? The, well, or something? The Kanye thing? Because I don't want to have to. I mean, I probably need to look at it, but I don't want to do it on my own time. <laughs> There's time. <laughs> I'm vaguely familiar with what you're talking about, but I haven't looked it's into real, it. Real clips of Kanye. Uh, on the YouTubes, you know the YouTubes? And uh, so one quote, some guy asked me, he says, so are you a Christian music artist now? And Kanye said, I'm a Christian everything now. <laughs> I thought that was great, actually. I just, is, is who I am as a Christian. So it means everything I do is Christian. That's great. Well, I say, are you a Christian music? That, by the way, to follow another rabbit trail, yeah, I picked up this used book on the martyrs in the Minneapolis airport a couple of weeks ago, and I was reading it. And... And I read about 20 martyr stories from the beginning of this book, and every one of them, in every single martyr story, the martyrs said, pro-counsel, in one way or another, I am a Christian. That was the, that was the phrase that got them in trouble. Hmm. I am a Christian. That's uh, really quite profound. And so I, I've been thinking about that a bit. And, so that's, and, that's, and that's what Kanye said. I am a Christian. I'm not a Christian music artist. I'm a Christian. Yeah, yesterday as Saints Day, so we have, uh, I don't know, oh, you're right now, uh, yeah. All Saints, the Beatitudes? Yep. Okay. So, um, and so, uh, it's like number one, number two, number three, block that. Okay, I hunger and thirst for righteousness, like pure in heart. I mean, these these things, all, and the thing reviled for for Jesus, uh, you know, you know, rejoice in this, for they reviled that, um, that if you died as a Christian, it was probably a, a martyr, <laughs> you know, like, it wasn't like... Uh, I lived most of my life confessing the faith and died of old age. <laughs> it was that if you're confessing the faith, you died as a martyr, and uh, and and so that I mean I think that's that's what All Saints is is expressing not just that we are Christians as baptized ones, holy ones, but that we're also all martyrs in a sense, or at least we should be, right? I mean, we should have such boldness and confidence to confess the faith regardless of the consequences. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, by the way, the uh, Luther says, I'm, I'm looking for this quote, he says that the, that the life of the martyrdom is the true form of the Christian life. I'm going to find that quote for you. It's That's basically what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Luther and I. He right. says here, this is his comment on Psalm 51. So the Lord said to Jeremiah, I shall make your face iron so that you do not care who attacks it. And really, the office of teaching in the church requires such a mind that despises all dangers. In general, should prepare the rate of becoming martyrs, that is, confessors or witnesses of want to be preached, not between the four walls. Church or not. I do the one thing with and Kanye West. We have seen uh, the at worship. I'm using your buzzword. Uh, what what uh, what we do at worship has become a matter of entertainment and preference. Now we have not about what you enjoyed per se. It's about um, uh, what was uh, scriptural. What was the God who joined all generations that joined all um, all the what your background is. This was the faith that um, and one and we've said this before, but our 
you know, sitting in these worship service, we have no idea what they're saying. We did not have the gift of tongues in that sense, but uh, we knew exactly where they were in the service because of of uh, what they were doing. I mean, we knew they were praying the Lord's Prayer, for example. Um, yeah, that's right. So it's quite nice. So uh, that said, we have Jesus is calling, and you have the words there. We can maybe look at these a little bit. Okay. Jesus is calling, 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 night and day. And, and you will hear him if you'll just pray. He's calling for you. Don't turn away. Jesus is calling, 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 night and day. Not the most complex. If you're lost in sin, <laughs> just like this is very. The poetry is, if you're lost in sin, there's no need for you to stay. Jesus is calling, calling, calling night and day. If the night is dark, you will soon see the day. Calling night and day. Wait a minute. <laughs> that they rhyme. rhyme day four times in that stanza. <laughs> like, what else rhymes with stay? I don't know. Just keep using day. Day. Night and day. It's nice. <laughs> okay. You will hear him if you'll just pray. This is, so Jesus is calling. It's the idea that Jesus is out there calling and... Uh, what if you you'll just listen? You'll hear him calling. He's he's your friend. What's the uh, okay? So let's let's crunch this thing. All right, number one is Jesus mentioned? Yes, a yes. lot. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Got that one good covered. Number two, is it repetitive? Yeah, uh, is uh. it mystical in form? Yeah, yeah. It's simple. It actually is sentences, so it's not kind of and you know exact saying, but it is somewhat repetitive. Like I put it in middle. Middle line repetitive. There's two verses and then a and then the chorus is repeated a bunch of times. So, um, it's interesting that you know the mystical form of the praise song is trying to kind of sweep you up into the moment. And I don't know if this old country kind of it's like I, it's like sweeping me up to do like a two step. <laughs> it's a different kind of sweeping up. It is. Uh, this you know what I'm saying? Th this isn't tugging at your heartstrings like what? like some of the other songs that we crunch here, right? Yeah, yeah okay. right. All right, that's surprising to hear from someone in Austin, Texas. We'll be right back. More crunching after this. Table Talk Radio, a radio show that gives the opportunity to cope with disappointment week after week. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. All right, we're in the middle of a crunch. Jesus is oh, calling yeah. by Crowder, and uh, you were saying that uh, this has a, a effect to sweep you off your feet, but not in the way that you would normally expect. The two-step. Right. <laughs> I found the Luther quote, by the way, about the martyr. You ready for this? Boy, oh boy. Uh, above all, he has given us brave and bold hearts, the Lord has, so that in many places both preachers and hearers are daily being added to the number of the saints. Some have shed their blood. Others have suffered imprisonment. Others again have been driven from their homes. But all of them endure the shame of the cross of Christ. In our day, the pattern of the true Christian life has reappeared. Terrible in the world's eyes, since it means suffering and persecution. But precious and priceless in God's sight. As the Psalter puts it, Psalm 116. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And again, Psalm 72. 
precious is their blood in his sight. So how about this? The, the pattern of persecution and suffering is what Luther calls the true pattern, the pattern of the true Christian life. So that if we're not martyred for the faith, if we're not persecuted and all this sort of stuff, then will God be praised? That's fine. But it's an abnormality. The mm. normal way is for Christians, like you said, to suffer and die. Mm. I mean, Luther's basically plagiarizing me from the last segment. I, mean, well, I, I think, I th I think uh, that matches my elegance in speaking and everything. Well, I think I think you for your elegance, I'm going to give you 25 points. <laughs> and for me finding the Luther quote, I'm going to give myself 50. Making the score <laughs> you 100. You give yourself 25. points? Oh, I'm yeah. going to give myself a steak dinner. <laughs> I'm working on it. What I just said was so brilliant. That's a million points. Now that you mention it, one million points. Thank you. This is why we've never had rewards for points. This is why the points at the end of the show usually are are like me fitting in the buzzword. All right. I think uh, I'm going to take that one million points that you just offered. There. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Let's keep going on the crunch, though. Come on. Okay, what's the next question? Uh, so what's, you, okay, well, here's, the, here's the thing. What's the problem? What's the solution? So this, this talks about sin, by the way. I mean, this is kind of old-fashioned song, using old-fashioned words. It, it, in some ways, I kind of like that. It's, you know, like the, you know, the, I mean, the praise songs used to be like the Baptist, the kind of Baptist hymns that would just sing, the old-time religion kind of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So when people will say to me, Pastor, how come we don't sing some of the old hymns? <laughs> they don't mean like the old hymns, like... Like, uh, what's the oldest hymn written by? Like, Savior of the Nations Come. From yeah, the yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Or the Luther hymn or pre-Reformation hymns. or They mean the hymns that Elvis sang. Those are the old <laughs> hymns. True. Old-timey religion. So this has a kind of old-timey religion, kind of Bible Belt feel to it. It talks about sin. It talks about Jesus. You're in sin. You're in darkness. It says here, if you're lost in sin, there's no need for you to stay. So, hey, you're out there busy sinning. Well, quit. Quit your sinning. Come over to Jesus. He's calling on the phone or on the whatever people call him secretly in the inside. Now, maybe that is the question. How is Jesus calling? Because calling is a biblical word. Many who are uh, uh, not all who are called are chosen. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. What does it mean when we say Jesus is calling? What do you think the, the hymn here means? Well, he's looking for a response. That's what I think. I mean, so that, look, if you, have, you, if you have a Savior who does the saving, then you sing about his action of saving, right? You, say, you sing about his crucifixion, you sing about his resurrection, you might even talk about uh, the sinning of the Spirit to impart the gift of faith. I mean, these are all things that, that you talk about if, if your Savior has done the work. I mean, if, you're, if you believe that, that God gets all the credit for your salvation, but, but if, if you have a theology system that says— um, God is is in participation with you to bring about salvation. Then He extends the offer. He makes the phone call. He, he puts it out there, but He's waiting to see if you're going to answer, if you're going to respond, to see what you're going to do. Are yeah. you going to do your part? Yeah, this this is the why the I mean, this kind of word keeps coming up. Um, is the, in this hymn is the word if. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, that's right. You'll hear him if you'll just pray. Yep. He's yeah. calling, don't turn away. It's up to you. You you gotta pray. You gotta not turn away. You gotta do whatever. You gotta go. You gotta move from the night to the day. You gotta stay. And and, and that word if or, or any other word yeah. that makes it a conditional thing, uh takes it takes it out of the realm of gospel if it was ever there in the first place. 
just it just cannot be gospel. It cannot be promise with a conditional word like if, and it places it firmly into the realm of the law. Now, as we talk about, I think, regularly, that in the realm of the law, there's only two options. There's pride and despair. Mm-hmm. And so um, usually pride comes first, so that uh, a believer, a Christian who's coming to church, and they're hearing about all these conditions and, and these if statements, and God is willing to respond if you do X, Y, and Z, um, you, you, there's a time that you think that you're keeping up with that. You're, you're looking around saying, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, f- I'm fulfilling the if. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what's required of me. And, and that creates a sense of pride because now it's no longer, um, I, a poor, miserable sinner, but God has had mercy upon me. Uh, we're going through First Timothy in Sunday morning where Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. You know, I, I, I am the worst of all sinners, and yet God in his great mercy and compassion has said, grace, grace upon me. Uh, you don't do that when in, in the law. It's me. And then after a, a, a short while, you can't keep up with that. I mean, the realization dawns on you that I'm not actually uh, doing what God expects of me. And then what is left but despair? I mean, you've excluded the possibility of a savior doing it for you. So now it's just you and it's, it's depressing, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's, yep. it's total despair. Well said, well said, even though the song is kind of nice, you know, nice two-steppy. I mean, once, once you, once you fall into the throes of depression, you just kind of, I mean that's that's kind of kind of a point that you are making. So a lot of, oftentimes the critique that we have for praise songs is that it uh, it kind of gets your your emotions going, and we've we've I think established that most people don't have a dis- a distinction in their in their minds between emotion and spirituality. Most people see the two as one and the same. That if if I if I feel moved, then that's that's the spirit moving or something like that. So most mm-hmm. praise songs are written to kind of move the heart, but this one is a bit more uh, toe-tappy. Mm. And the toe-tappy has, has it function too. It maybe isn't, you know, wanting you to, to, to squeeze out a tear, but it does kind of get your, uh, get your spirits high a little bit. You know what I mean? I mean, it gets, gets you kind of, get you kind of pumped. I mean, it's like the locker room song, right? What's I don't the, know what's, if this counts as a locker room well, song. Well, no, this but, isn't, but what's the point of the locker room song? Right, right, yeah, yeah I see what you're saying. I mean, it kind of gets yeah. you ready for the game. Yeah, right, that's right. That's right. I'm trying to figure out what the... What <laughs> you, don't, the you don't think this would be the locker room response. song? <laughs> I can see the Dallas Cowboys getting ready to this song. Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out what the appropriate emotional response is to that. But I, pr- I imagine it's for people who like... Old-fashioned country. Okay. I got made fun of around here because I apparently listened to something called Bro Country. Oh. Which what? is about beer and trucks. Okay. Opposed to? Real country. Oh. Just not bro country. I, was like, I thought I was being culture. I was appropriating <laughs> the culture. And they're like, are you listening to bro country? I was like, yeah, you know, me and Taylor Swift. And like, <laughs> me and Taylor Swift. <laughs> Anyway, let's 
call it corrupt. I was going to say only, probably only a Lutheran, uh, a Missouri Synod Lutheran would say, what's the appropriate emotional response in this situation? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how like, it's supposed like to most, be. Most people not, just like let their emotions I know go. How I, I don't even know how I feel. I don't even know how I'm one, supposed to feel. One second. And I don't even know what I feel about that. <laughs> one second. I need to check my emotional Rolodex to know how to respond. <laughs> what are my options here? <laughs> oh, my emotional man. response is calculated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are we doing now? You have some questions you want me to oh, answer yeah, this for is you? Great, I got I got a bajillion questions. Okay, before before old, we uh, engage this activity, I need to know how many table talk radio points is on the table for each question I answer. Well, uh, five hundred. <sighs> yeah. All right. Um, Prime rib. Man, where'd they all go? Here, uh, maybe I had them all strip. listed. There's too many. I scrolled down. Where, uh, where, there was ribeye. A question. I think it's gonna be a ribeye. Yeah. Go oh, ahead. Uh uh, 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 oh man, love the okay. I'm just clicking on one here. Probably a medium um, or medium rare. It's probably gonna be. <laughs> Thanks for putting out theological gold via multimedia outlets. This is to obviously what to you. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> Um, this is what these are the kind of questions we get when we get questions from off of a table talk radio source. That's right. Things like thanks to the media gold. <laughs> oh, here's a okay. Here's a good one. That one you couldn't answer. Here's this one. Is uh, dear Pastor Wolfmuller, I understand that baptism is valid if that church confesses the Trinity and uses the correct wording in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, etc., and water, no matter what view that church has of baptism. Mm-hmm. Does the same principle apply to communion or others? Uh, if I take communion at a Calvinist church, do I receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Thanks for the trouble you take to reply. Well, actually, thanks to Evan. <laughs> oh, this is such a fantastic question. And uh, in 40 seconds, I'll maybe just get started here. Let me let me start in these 40 seconds just by affirming the first part of the question, that the setup. And that is that uh, churches that believe uh, the Trinity and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit— uh, do have the, they have received the gift of baptism, even if their doctrine of baptism uh, uh, is what merely symbolic or something like that. That the the word is efficacious to actually create the gift that God had uh, God had given in baptism. So when someone you know comes to us from a Baptist church or a non denominational church and they say, "Look, I have not been baptized." Table talk Whoops. radio. I'm sorry about that. Hey, uh, voiceover, we're not ready for you yet. <laughs> So I don't know where the uh, the bump out music went, but it, just to wrap this up, um, we don't say, uh, "Look, uh, your baptism isn't valid because it wasn't in a Lutheran church." We ask, "Well, was your baptism in a Christian church in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit?" And if the answer is yes, then that is a valid baptism. Now, why does that not apply to then the question of the sacrament of the altar? We'll talk about that right after this break. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Boy, I responded to this great question. On the verge of getting 500 Table Talk Radio points, I can just taste it. It tastes like steak. <laughs> I have a million 100 points. You have 25. Uh, you got a lot of I'm, questions I'm right. to answer, buddy. All right, all right. Uh, well, let's keep going. Now, let's let's. So, before the break, we we're talking about uh, this notion of baptism being a gift that is given through the Word of God, uh, so that where baptism has taken place in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, then that Word of God 
is efficacious to create baptism. Now, uh, so the question is, well, does that is that how it works then in communion? If you have someone who's in, uh, again, let's say just take for an example, a Baptist church and non-denominational church, and they they say the words of Jesus when when you know having communion, you know, this is my body, this is my blood. Um, are we to understand that what they receive is the very body and blood of Christ? But let me let me before I answer that, let, let, let me kind of nuance that with the baptism question again. Suppose now that we're in a, a Mormon church, a, a church of the Latter-day Saints, who uh, explicitly by their teachings reject the doctrine of the Trinity. They, they say that there is not one God in three persons, but there's uh, the God the Father, there is uh, Jesus, and uh, then there is, what, the Holy Ghost. Now, in their their refusal to teach the Trinity and to actually reject the Trinity, and yet they are to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, would we believe that that was an efficacious or valid baptism? And the answer would be no, because it, they weren't baptized in the name of God. And you say, well, the, the, the same words were used. And you see that this is making the point that it's not about the words. Um, it's about the, the the word of God. And so surprisingly, you can be using the same words and not have the word of God. How come? Well, because something different is taught about that Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And so um, w- when we understand that, that it's not just about the, the vocables that are coming from the pastor's voice box, but there's actually a, a, a word behind that that sound, then now we can maybe apply that to the understanding of the Lord's Supper and say, even though the Baptist is saying, uh, this is my body, this is my blood. It's not the word of God that is actually being uh, being taught that says that this is something that is you know for your good, for the forgiveness of sins. Uh, so that same the, the same words, the same vocables, the same sounds that say this is my body, this is my blood do not actually mean the same thing in say a Baptist church. And if you just go ask them, if you just say, hey, you know, is this the body and blood of Christ? And say, no way, Jose. Uh, this is not. You'd have to go down to the Lutheran Church to get the the body and blood of Christ. <laughs> no way, Jose. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything to to add to that or clarification? Very fantastic. Or? So maybe maybe just to kind of hammer this point, quick point home, and that is that the reason why the reason why you can have a valid baptism even though you have a false doctrine of baptism is that is because Jesus has instituted baptism with words about the trinity so in, when Jesus says go and baptize in the name of the father son and holy spirit he puts the confession of the trinity there with the validity of baptism when Jesus instituted the lord's supper he instituted the lord's supper with the doctrine of the lord's supper so he said this is my body do this in remembrance of me so that's why you got to have the right doctrine of the body and blood to have the body and blood so it all goes back to the words of institution, but that's that's just kind of mm. putting a point on what you said, which is nice. All right, Kachin. All right, next. five hundred points. Next question uh, from Michael, who says, "What makes a good hymn?" There are over five hundred in the LSB and TLH. What qualities make a good hymn? <laughs> well, this is a this is a great question. Uh, a similar question would be, "What makes a good sermon?" Oh, <laughs> because. Let's um, not get personal. <laughs> uh, I mean, so as as a Christian, uh, you are a professional sermon hearer. 
I mean, think just think about it. if if you have a, a faithful Christian who goes to church every Sunday, will not even count the midweek services or funerals or anything like that. A, a Christian is going to church once a week. They're hearing fifty-two sermons a year, right? So, I mean, you as a as a as a Christian hearer of God's word, um, know a thing or two about what makes a good sermon, and probably uh, the thing that you would say is that I I I need a sermon to point out the reality of my sin, because if I don't have that, I become a bit complacent, <laughs> and I don't actually think about those things which are sinful in my life. I, 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 you know, can admit the real bad ones, but I become real happy with the ones that I want to be happy with. And the, the one part of that the sermon functions is to reveal that sin in my life. And then, but the, the main point of the sermon is that it would give me the, the comfort of the gospel. It would give me the forgiveness of sins. It would give me Jesus. It point that his work has, has uh, covered over all of my sins. And if that's what we're looking for, for a good sermon, then I would argue that's what we're looking for in a good hymn, <laughs> that, that the hymns are but little sermons, only a little bit more artistically done and set to music. Um, I think I've said this on the air just recently that that a lot of people just either can't sing or don't sing or don't want to sing, and I encourage them fine, but read them, <laughs> you know, understand them, take them in, let them preach to you because they're fantastic. Uh, so I'm looking for uh, the 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 best hymns are ones that uh, uh, center on the work of Christ and that give comfort to the sinner. Uh, the kind of hymn—this was what I was doing some, for a while, Pastor Wolfman, because you know how it is when, uh, as a pastor, you're on, you're on death watch and you're, you're going to the, the, the bedside of someone who might live but an hour or two more, and you're, you have a lot of time there, so you're singing hymns. I was for a while in my hymnal just circling hymns, just circle the number that are good deathbed hymns. And you know what? Those are all the best ones <laughs> because you're, you're, you're singing to someone who can do, I mean, imagine, imagine going to the deathbed and singing this song. What's that? You had the hair. Your finger was on the trigger. Yeah, I mean, just just imagine placing this kind of if statement to the person on their deathbed. I mean, it would offer no comfort to that person at all. But if you come with a song that uh, that that brings them Jesus, um, that that uh, pictures for them all that Christ has done and given to them as a promise, um, that that's a hymn that brings comfort to a wrestling soul on the moments before death. And uh, I've just circled those in my hymnal, and as I, I've noticed that the best hymns are those, the ones that apply to the person on, the, on their deathbed. Wow, that's good. 500 points. Yes. Do we have time? i got a, yeah, a, yeah. a story to tell about hymns. Uh, sure, three minutes. There was, this, there was this one time in church I heard the, the, the church was really struggling for cash, and, uh, and they brought the offering plate forward, and... The pastor looked down and he's like, oh, man, this is not going to work. So he said, okay, look, we're going to try this again. We're going to take the offering. and Whoever puts in the most is going to pick the, their three favorite hymns. <laughs> and so, so they pass the offering plate again, and it comes back, and there's a $1,000 bill on the top. And the guy says, whoa, whoa, this is fantastic. Who's this? And this little old lady in the back raises her hand. He says, come up here. 
Bernice, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. She, he puts her up in front and says, oh, this is just thanks so much for your generosity. It's going to keep us going. Now, you get to pick your favorite hymns. And she pointed at that guy and says, I'll pick him and him and him. <laughs> That's good. That's great. Hmm. That's all. That a okay, story. you want to do one more? You want to yeah, try yeah, one give more? me another one. All right, this is also from a, a Michael who says, Hey, Pastor, I was wondering why the Ten Commandments were written after the fall. God knew we probably couldn't keep them, so why did he have them put into place and written? Thanks, and God's blessings. You get the best questions, I'll oh, tell you. Do I ever. These are great. Um, well, uh, I mean, this, this, first of all, has to understand the state of man's will, which dramatically changes Um uh, pre and post fall, right? So here you have, um, you have Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, well, I guess te- if you want to be technical about it, you have Adam in the Garden of Eden when the Lord says, uh, "Do not take from this tree," and 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 that is rightly the the law of God. I mean, he he's telling us to do something or not do something. That's law. But here's the thing: in the Garden of Eden, it, it didn't automatically condemn them, at least not yet, right? So, so that that the law of God pre-fall did not uh, condemn us, but when Adam and Eve then, from their own will, chose to rebel against the command of God, then it found it found in uh, condemnation, found in the law the, their condemnation. And so they're cast out, and now everyone then born after Adam and Eve are born into this sin and born with a will that is bent on uh, transgressing against God. So then God comes with these Ten Commandments and says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall um, honor me, honor my name, honor my word, all of these commandments. And because we are born... After Adam and Eve, those will reveal our own sin. They'll reveal our our inability to do that. And so it's not as if um, God is doing it for us for a, a particular—I um, mean, what I'm trying to say is that God's Word just is. I mean, it, if that if that same Word came pre-fall, we would rejoice in it, say, oh, God be praised for the Word He's given us. Post-fall, it condemns us— and in Christ, again, we say, praise God for his word. So it, it, in our post-fall state, the law has its function of revealing to us our need for him, our, our need for Jesus, so that we would look to Jesus and say, my salvation is found not in my keeping the commandments, our salvation for Jesus, or our, sal- our joy, our salvation is found in Jesus. But, but God's word just is, it just... It just is the case that post-fall, it, uh, it condemns us. Uh, in heaven and in the new creation, it is, uh, it is not a condemning word. We would confess with uh, Psalm 119 that I delight to know your, your law. Anything to add to that? No, I think it's great. It's one of these great fights of the Reformation. As Erasmus said, if God commanded it, it means we can do it. And, and Luther says, well, that sounds good except for the Bible part. Where it says that God's law reveals the guilt of sin. So the law is spoken so that every mouth would be stopped. So the first and primary chief use of the law is to show us our own sin, which is what the Ten Commandments do. And then they also keep, you know, keep things in order and, uh, and also give shape to the Christian life. But 
but chiefly it becomes a mirror to show us our need for our Savior, Jesus Christ. But, but God's Word is the revelation of his, his very nature. So, I mean, um, the more God would reveal about himself uh, to us is either going to be law or gospel, right? I right. mean, I mean, it's it's not as if uh, God sent them. They're going, oh, I better I better give them some more instructions. I better soften this thing up. It's like I can't it's like, handle it anymore. like it's like this this is who I am. That that uh, I am God, and my name deserves to be regarded as holy. And then we as sinners go, ah, oh, dang it, we're not doing it. <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. or or it says my my. my People do not covet. Oh, dang it! I'm coveting. <laughs> you know, so so that so that a, as sinners, it it shows our own sin, um, and and yet in Christ, it does not condemn us uh, because mm-hmm. we're we're made new. Uh, so so this is that law gospel tension, the saint and sinner tension that we always live in, and what we look forward to then in in uh, in in the resurrection is that God's word will have no have no condemnation for us. That's right. That's exactly right. Fantastic. Okay, that's it for us. Thanks for Whoa. listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio and and listen again to our next episode for more homo ludens. What? I was going to say that. All right, I'm going to give you 700 points for your answer. Yes. I'm going to give you 200 points for use of the buzzword. Yes. Bringing the total today, you have... Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. And I have one million one hundred. You gave yourself the Please consult your no, you said before it. listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Side effects may include That's like what Jesus said to Pilate. You say so. And aversion to incomplete sentences with a chronic Did you give yourself a million points? You say so. Adiposis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, and uncontrollable urge to fight the on Twitter. And for more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Q4.